Welcome to Lucidity. I'm your host, Ryan Muskin. I'm your better host, Levi. And that was a misconception, which is what our podcasts are about. Uh, we, Clay, so you guys haven't listened to the first episode. Um, we talk about misconceptions and we clarify things here on Lucidity. And I'm really loving this. I love having a podcast. This has been a good time. How about you, Levi? Oh, it's probably the greatest thing that's ever happened in the history of humanity, honestly. Um, Levi, I have a question. Yeah. What do you see when you look in the mirror? Oh, man. When I look in the mirror, I see, you know, I don't like to say, like, presidential, you know, pr- like, maybe, like, executive kind of thing. Like, like the uh, highest ranking thing that you could possibly be, but then more and glowing, you know? So, like, a demigod... But not quite. Yeah, like demigod, solid gold figure. Like a solid, like eight out of ten, falling in between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. Yeah. Well, I'll tell yeah. you right now that that made no sense, and I'll, <laughs> I'll also tell you that Oliver Sacks didn't see himself. Oh, he was a vampire. No, he wasn't a vampire. He wasn't a ghost. He come on, he was a vampire. He suffered from a brain disorder. That Aww. doesn't allow him to recognize his own face. Wow. <laughs> Fun fact. Oliver Sacks is actually, he's a famous and uh, piece of history, historical uh, psychologist who has been studied and studied himself and others that suffer from the same thing. Um, Oliver Sacks basically suffered from a mental disorder that didn't allow him to memorize anybody's faces, including his own. So when he looked in the mirror, it would be as if you're looking in the mirror and seeing a different person standing there. And it, yes, it scared him every time um, until he realized what was going on. And I think that's really interesting because it says something about our senses. Oliver Sacks couldn't trust his visual senses. He couldn't look at a person and already, like, always know that he was seeing the same person. He had to use context clues and think about what the person was saying, recognize their voice, their clothing, the setting they sure. were in. And he couldn't rely on his visual sight by looking at their face to remember a person. Which kind of is the tone of this episode. We're going to be talking about human perception uh, and sensation and why it's not that reliable. So I'd like to start by kind of defining the difference between sensation and perception, just to clarify that for the rest of the show. That sensation is sort of the input, and perception is the... How do I want to explain this? The interpretation of that input. So, um, for instance, when you type something on a computer, the input is you pressing a button, and that sends information to putting a symbol up. Uh, So, for example, if somebody sticks a needle on my arm, that is the sensation... And me feeling pain in my arm is the perception. So, Levi, I have another question for you. Oh, yeah. When I ask you to name the human senses, what do you think of? You got sight, hearing, taste, smell, and touch. Boom. (laughs) Top of my head. Right. The big five. Sight, seeing, taste, hearing, touch. That is the big five that everybody thinks of. And smell. Oh, wait. What did I? I said something twice then. You said sight, seeing, Taste, hearing, sight. and touch. Yeah. Sight, <laughs> sight and seeing. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, those are the big five that everybody thinks of. Well, fun fact, we have far more than five senses. In fact, researchers are saying that we have probably upwards of 20, maybe even upwards of 100. Um, but right now, they're looking at 
pretty much confirming that we have at least 18 of those are like confirmed. And just to name some beyond the big five, we have things like the kinesthetic sense. So the kinesthetic sense is your ability to know where all of your lim like limbs and just everything is on your body. Like I can tell you right now that my right leg is here and I know where my body is in the world also, uh, which is something that I don't think anyone ever really thinks about. Kind of an interesting... But do any of us really know where we are? Yeah. That's not what this episode... <laughs> we'll save that one. <laughs> save that one for next season. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. Uh, but there's also things like the sense of fullness and the sense of hunger. So that comes from different receptors inside of your stomach and... How intestines. can one feel full when there's so much to take in? Yeah. <laughs> <So> <laughs> uh, there's a sense of time. They, they did a study where they actually locked people... Inside of a room, okay, I say locked like it was an isolation room. It was an isolation from uh, time, and that includes sunlight, so you couldn't really Like know. a casino. Yeah, basically like a casino. They just sent them to Vegas for a couple hours and just like asked them what time it was, and they were wrong. <laughs> no, wrong. They actually had them in a place where they could work out and sleep and do things, and when they asked them to... Prison. Oh, okay, when they asked okay. them to uh, state what time they thought it was, they were within an hour... Correct, which is enough in psychology to say, hey, we have a sense of time. And we also have a sense of urination and defecation. So when you need to poop, you know. Uh, we have a sense of temperature. So we can tell our internal body temperature up, and external. Some will give it to. Some will give it to. Some will give it to. <laughs> to, to our, our girls. <laughs> that's that's, that's copyright infringement. Oh, yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. We have a sense of balance and acceleration sense of pain, and finally, one of my favorite ones that I never thought about, this was the one that surprised me most, was our, exactly, our sense of stretch. Our muscles have yeah. receptors in them that know when they need to be stretched out, and that's why when you wake up in the morning and you just go, ah, because you're stretching, it feels yeah. amazing. <laughs> you, you Tarzan yeah. scream. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. It feels incredible. Sweet. It's because your receptors are, it's like scratching an itch that's been itching for like 10 hours. Of course. <laughs> that's why you scream. But, but, like, humans have those senses, but what about animals? Like, cats are freaking special ops agents. Right. They can see in the dark whenever they want to. They don't even need the goggles. Right. Well, that's goggles are expensive, and cats can save so much <laughs> by not buying their own catnip, their own litter, their own night vision goggles. It's ridiculous the advantages cats have over us. Well, you got really excited ridiculous. about that. Cats do, though. They have a sense where they can see in the dark. Butterflies have an ability to taste with their feet. And now, funny story about butterflies. My uncle is a butterfly, and he was actually um, sentenced to community service. So he had to, like, walk through, like, ditches full of human waste and mud. And I think that must have been much more difficult for him than the other prisoners since he was a butterfly. <laughs> he just he tasted it with his feet. <laughs> <laughs> oh. They don't give you shoes in community service. That like, was, you gotta, oh, it's just disgusting. That was stupid. <laughs> like, the most... <laughs> Birds. The worst thing that can happen to everyone else is like swamp or trench foot, right? <laughs> but then he's, he's just tasting it all, taking it all in. Oh, uh, it's disgusting. Just, uh, birds. <laughs> to move on. Birds have a sense of Earth's magnetic fields, and it allows them to tell basically where the ground is and where the sky is, so they don't just fly into the wrong directions. They know where north and south are also, the Earth's poles, so that's why they also know how to fly south in the winter. But the coolest animal of them all, the coolest animal period the in polar history. polar bear. Is, no, no, not, guess again. Not, uh, the mantis shrimp? <laughs> yeah, you nailed it. Oh. The mantis shrimp is amazing. And 
One of the reasons it's amazing is its eyes are the most complex in the entire animal kingdom. <laughs> the mantis shrimp can see more forms of light than any other creature that we know about, which include not only the visible light that we see, but ultraviolet and polarized light. They can see uh, thermal energy. They can see things that we can't even wrap our minds around. What's so mind-bending about that is they use color interpretation to so that we can understand what we're seeing. So they'll use like um, a dark red to show an area that's hotter and a blue to show an area that's colder. But what a mantis shrimp is seeing is something that we can't even begin to visualize because right. it's out of our realm. It's out of our... Like, try to think of a new color. Right. You can't. <laughs> no. And that's exactly what it is. A, a shrimp has such complex eyes that we can't even imagine it. And I think that's amazing. So when we come back, we're going to continue to talk about human perception and why it's constantly being fooled and why we can't totally understand it. Uh, enjoy the music. I'm in my room making cardboard castles with shoestring rope, soup spoon drawbridge, tin foil moat. I'm still dreaming after all these years. I'm in my room making cardboard castles with shoestring rope, soup spoon drawbridge, tin foil moat. I'm still dreaming after all these years. We we're constantly being fooled by our own senses. And I don't mean like so fooled to the point where we can't even live our lives and advance as a society. But I just mean so fooled that we miss sometimes things that are right in front of us. And I'll talk about that a little bit more later. But um I want to talk about how a lot of times uh there's a crossroad between social psychology and perception psychology where we kind of uh, have mis misconceptions about social things that we think we're perceiving and aren't really that way. And um, a lot of times we can just adjust our point of view, both physically and mentally, like socially, uh, just based on situational biases. For example, we have sayings like absence makes the heart grow fonder, but then <laughs> the, the alternative to that is out of sight, out of mind. And we just use them. These are all like used in the context of like, right. They're all used in the context of like, this is what justifies my reasoning for blah, blah, blah. Another one is um, many hands make light work. And then another, the opposite saying of that is too many cooks spoil the broth. So I don't think there's ever one true extreme there that ever works, but we use these sayings to justify them and you can easily contradict it with another saying. Kind of funny how we do that, but that, that kind of gives us some situational bias and kind of takes away from the big picture, I think. And so that kind of leads me into the idea of, illu of illusions and how they work. I don't really know how they work. <laughs> <laughs> The end. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> Illusions are usually pictured as something visual that you just like, oh, is this uh, two faces about to kiss or is it a, I don't know, a vase or whatever it is. Um, right. But illusions can be far beyond that. We can have social illusions. We have auditory illusions, uh, physical, sensational, all kinds of illusions. It's basically anything that tricks your mind um, into not totally perceiving what's really there. And your mind a lot of times will fill in gaps for things. So there's one where they take, uh, it's like a circle of orange circles. And they'll have one of the circles, um, like, 
turn white, basically. It disappears like in order as it goes around. But if you stare at it, it right in the center, it looks like it's actually a blue dot going around because your brain is filling in the gap uh, and telling you that that's what's there, even though it's actually the circles are just disappearing. But I wanted to kind of show one with you guys. And since this is a podcast and you can't see me, um, we're going to do an auditory illusion. And so this auditory illusion that we're going to play for you is really kind of fascinating. It's uh, the sound of a descending tone. So it sounds like it's getting deeper, like... But it's not at all. It isn't at all. It, it sounds like it doesn't it's... doesn't make sense. Well, it does. It descends for, like, one tone, but your brain... But, the, but it just does that infinitely. Right, and you're... In reality, physics, the way it works, it doesn't allow you to infinitely get, <laughs> you know, deeper in tone. And... Uh, without you not being able to hear it. So you'll see in this little demo here uh, that your brain gets tricked into believing that you are listening to an infinitely descending tone. Play it. I'm not questioning the reliability of our senses. Okay, I am. That's actually all I'm doing. But I don't mean that we should be freaked out and paranoid about everything and questioning what's real, Um, but that we should be more aware that you can't always trust what you're hearing and seeing. And that kind of brings me to a thing that I've heard in pretty much all of my psych classes is that uh, phrase, seeing is believing, but beyond so, believing is seeing. And so kind of the alternative uh, is that if you believe that you're seeing something so much or you really want to believe that or hearing something or, or even just some other small things, uh, you can force yourself to actually see it or believe it, or at least you trick your brain into believing that. Um, so if you really believe hard enough, you'll see it. And that goes into like a lot of psych experiments. It's really common. And it's, it's a factor that kind of interferes with the results of a lot of experiments. They did one where they took rats and, they gave one group of students a rat that they said was highly trained and really smart and really special agent rat. special <laughs> special agent rat that was really good at navigating a maze. And then they gave another group of kids an awful rat. Well, it wasn't actually awful, but they told them like <laughs> this is this is stupid rat. <laughs> this rat is awful. Right. <laughs> That's basically what they said. Awful. They said it's really bad at solving mazes, and they told each group that. And the fact of the matter was neither the rats were identical. They were the same. Exact rat. No, neither was better than the other. same on the inside. Well, each student put their rat through the maze after doing some training with them and all that stuff. And the rat that was told they had um, this really impressive, smart, special agent rat performed way better than the rat that was told it was stupid. And they basically did this experiment to prove that uh, expectations and believing that something is true can actually lead to it being true and if you think you're gonna fail you probably (laughs) right and some of that is tricking your mind but some of it is believed to actually have some real power um so do you want to talk about placebo placebos uh it's like you know it's like when you're gonna get sugar pill in a study and it's a not an actual pill but you're told it's an actual pill so you think you're experiencing um the effects of the drug that they didn't give you but you're not at all, and you're just a lying scam artist telling them <laughs> to skew their results and their research. <laughs> but <clears throat> the thing is, they have proven that the placebo actually can work. Sometimes the participant is 
making things up to satisfy the experimenter. But <clears throat> they've actually proven that if people are given a sugar pill and they believe that's the real thing, that it actually has results and the person, whatever they were afflicted with, are no longer afflicted with that. Um, or they just think it. that they're not. Uh, true, depending on what it or is. Or maybe their illness was fake the entire time, and they're just lying to get sympathy from their friends and family. <laughs> but the, <laughs> that'd be kind of upsetting. But it, that's that's possible. Yeah. Um, but that's life. But but honestly, they have a lot of evidence backing up. The, I mean, it's like becoming an accepted practice by doctors, and doctors are just like that. The hell, like I don't know. It's just they they only teach us so much, man. Like it's kind of amazing what the power of our brain is, and now they're looking into. The plasticity of our brains and seeing how if we can make ourselves believe something, can our brains basically rewire themselves into fixing problems, uh, more, more so mental illness. And we'll talk about that in future episodes. I kind of want now to transition into an interview I conducted for this episode. Uh, I spoke with Dr. Ben Coons, who is a professor at the University of Dayton. He specializes in cognitive psychology and human perception is what he teaches uh, along with some other classes, he'll introduce himself. Um, very interesting guy. And he has a lot to share with human perception and its limitations. He has a lot of really cool things to say about it. So uh, we'll transition to that now. The following interview is brought to you by Sugar Pills. With all the nutritional value of a bowl of Fruit Loops, you can have all the effects of drugs and more with just thinking about it. Sugar Pills for every cure on the planet. Go to sugarpills.org.gov.com to figure out more about this product. Ladies and gentlemen, presenting Dr. Ben Coons. <sighs> the crowd goes wild, wild, wild. So I'm speaking now with Dr. Ben Coons, and if you could just really quickly introduce yourself and uh, kind of your field and what you do here. Sure. So yeah, I'm Dr. Ben Coons. I got my PhD in cognitive psychology from the University of Utah. My research is in the area of visual perception. I also do some work uh, looking at the human factors related issues in virtual reality, uh, visual and spatial perception in head-mounted display-based virtual reality. <clears throat> Which is really kind of relevant to what we were talking about in the podcast. So we kind of covered a lot of things like uh, the human senses and how we perceive the world. Uh, we talked about how there's like, one of the big misconceptions is that we only have five senses and it's far beyond that. So uh, we were talking about how that's really misconceived and also how we believe that our senses kind of tell us everything. So what I kind of wanted to talk to you about was how accurate that is and really if our senses can give us a full perception of the environment that we're living in or if we're easily fooled. Uh, we talked about illusions a little bit and like if there's more illusions than we realize or if we're being fooled by our environment more than we really even think. Right. Sure. Yeah, you're exactly right. I, I think that um, psychology has indicated, has told us that there's a lot that we don't perceive. We think we have sort of a complete picture of the world around us, but we're, we're missing all sorts of information. So for example, um, our visual sense, which we think of as sort of our primary or dominant sense out of all the senses, is really only telling us about one small portion of right. all the energy that's around us reflecting and bouncing off of objects. Right, right. We talked a little about, uh, before the interview, about like the mantis shrimp and some mm -hmm. other animals that have really cool perception of the world that we can't even wrap our minds around. They yeah. can see like other than visible light, like UV light and 
heat and things like that, which I can't, like that blows my mind. Yeah, yeah, it's really mm-hmm. fascinating. The Manus Strip's a, a great example, particularly with regard to color perception. Mm-hmm. So humans have, or at least most humans, have three color channels effectively. Mm-hmm that in various combinations allow us to perceive the or discriminate between the thousands, maybe millions of different colors that we see in the world around us. Whereas, as you probably mentioned, the manna shrimp has 20 some odd color channels. So their color experience is probably very different, much richer than ours in yeah, some ways. That's, I think that's kind of mind blowing. But um, I guess I was focusing more on, on the psychology classes I've taken. I've heard the phrase mentioned a lot seeing is believing, but even more so believing is seeing. And so I was wondering how true is that? Can we kind of almost make ourselves or trick our brains into believing that we're seeing something and not just visually, but uh, in any of the senses? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that we talk about time and again in, in the perception class that I teach is that not just with regard to vision, but with all of our senses, um, there's a huge top down component to perception. So it's not just the incoming information from our eyes, through our ears, through our skin that allows us to try to make sense of the world around us, but it's our our existing knowledge, our expectations, context that can all sort of influence the way we, we try to make sense out okay. of our surroundings. Okay. And so does, does that context, can that change our perception, um, not just visually, but almost cognitively or how we of things socially. So like how I perceive a person or how I perceive myself, can that also almost be fatal to an illusion almost? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There are all sorts of illusions, visual and otherwise. Um, One perhaps interesting finding that's sort of related to what you're describing comes from sort of an intersection between social psychology and perceptual psychology in which researchers have shown up, Cole and and Balchettis have shown that a person's motivational state or their energetic state perhaps can influence the way they perceive the space around them. So they did this really, um, they've done a number of interesting studies, but they've shown, for example, that uh, if you're afraid of, let's say, spiders or tarantulas specifically, if a tarantula is placed in front of you, you will see that threatening object, that threatening animal as closer to you than it actually is. Wow. So your fear, your aversion to that to that tarantula changes the way you see it in a sense. Okay, well, that's pretty. That's pretty. That's 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 a little freaky, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? um, so then, I guess my final question over all of this, the, the kind of arching theme is how reliable are are our senses? Mm-hmm. Can we trust? what we see in things, you know, we played a clip, um, of, uh, auditory, uh, illusion. So it's, sure. it's the descending sound. So it sounds like it keeps going deeper and deeper and pitch forever, right. um, which isn't possible. <laughs> Eventually right. you just wouldn't be able to hear it. Yeah. Uh, but are our senses reliable and can we trust everything that we're seeing just based on them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question. And I think that the fact that most of us are able to, get along pretty well in our day-to-day lives suggests that our senses do a good enough job of telling us what our surroundings are like. Um, You know, if they didn't, of course, we'd have real problems just making it through the day. But um, we have typically just enough information to survive and in many cases to thrive. But you're absolutely right that there's a lot of stuff out there that we're not perceiving. Mm -hmm. Usually they're the consequences of that are small or non-existent. But yeah, there's a lot of, of evidence to suggest that we're 
you know, we're not getting the full picture of our surroundings. And you can look at lots of examples in perception and cognitive psychology, like our, like inattentional blindness, for example, that there are all sorts of things that happen right in front of our eyes Mm -hmm. um, that we just fail to detect because our our perceptual resources might be devoted to, to something else in the environment right. rather than the thing that's changing or that's directly in front of us. Right, like the uh, the famous experiment they do where they have the video of the kids playing basketball mm-hmm. and then they have the ape walk through them. And right, like, exactly. Your, your attention's so focused on one area that you miss something ridiculous happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah right in the center of your field of view. And yet... It's completely blinded off just because of what you're focused on. Yeah, so I think that's... So you could say almost that we do have reliable senses... Um, but sometimes we can be blinded by some things or, or because of certain cognitive disadvantages, we can't always get the full picture. Sure. Yeah, that's absolutely the case. I mean, an important thing to remember is that our attentional resources are fairly limited. We, we're just not capable, despite our, our sensory organs and our brain's tremendous processing power. There's no way we can perceive every single thing going on around us all the time. We would just be overwhelmed and overloaded with stimulation. So it's to our advantage to sort of focus on certain things, but it comes with a cost that we we sometimes miss out on important things going on around us. And that kind of leads me into my final question for you is about uh, the limitations of our senses. And um, later on in this podcast, uh, I'm going to be talking about... um, some new inventions that people are working on and some technological advances we're making to help people that have disadvantages, so blind and deaf people, and how um, there's like a vest that was actually invented. I watched a TED Talk video about this and how they are using different senses to almost generate the same kind of information. So I guess my my question is how much are we going to be able, do you think that we'll be able to enhance our senses or are they even able to enhance? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's definitely on the horizon. Mm-hmm. I think, as you'll probably discuss, we're, we're right on the cusp of some tremendous breakthroughs in artificial sensory organs. So the eye, the human eye, is incredibly complex, but researchers are getting closer all the time in, in creating an artificial eye, an artificial retina, that can allow people with visual impairments to see Um, And I think that eventually that will extend beyond correcting for these existing visual impairments and allow other people to sort of, in a sense, open up their eyes to sensory stimuli that they that humans have never been able to to detect before. So I think that there is tremendous room for growth there. And I think that, again, we're we're right on the edge of some real breakthroughs in those areas. That's really exciting. And uh, I I look forward to seeing what hopefully the world will have in my lifetime. to kind of expand on these things and the new technologies that are coming out. Just watching some of those videos and reading about it is really exciting. And just, I, I don't know, I, I'm very fascinated by this. Yeah. Uh, the limitations are, they seem like endless, especially just reading about other forms of life on like Earth with us, um, and what they're able to do and what we can do differently. And just, I, I think it's really fascinating. Um, it really opens your perspective to the whole world. It really does. And there, you know, there's a lot we can learn from from non-human animals about, you know, what what perception could be like and how we might right. expand human perceptual capabilities. Right. It's an amazing thing. Definitely. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Ben. Thank you. My and pleasure. That is it. So that was um I really enjoyed that interview. I want to thank you again, Dr. Coons, for talking with us. Uh, we really appreciate you get, giving your time for that. That was great. Now I want to kind of talk about uh, where we're going with this 
whole human perception thing and technological advances, I watched a video, a TED Talk. Um, you guys should definitely look this up on YouTube if you have time. It's conducted by a guy named David Eagleman who talks about these things called umwelt. And our umwelt is what we believe to be the objective truth, uh, our, our reality based solely on our physical senses, um, kind of David Humish. If you can observe it through your senses, that is the objective truth. However, we are now realizing that there's a lot beyond our senses than we even are aware of. Um, but the, the, what's interesting about this guy is he's kind of becoming the next uh, inventor of the next kind of Braille sort of thing. Uh, he has invented a vest with some of his students for the deaf. Uh, and he's also working on some things for the blind. But essentially, he has built a vest that has little pads all over the front and sides and back that vibrate at different, um, I guess you could say, pressures and frequencies. And you wear this vest, and it's connected to a microphone that picks up sound. It's synced up via Bluetooth to your phone. Is that how it works? Yeah, it's, that's what he said in the in, okay. uh, TED Talk. So, but so okay, so there, that clarifies it. Um, yeah, so if I'm standing by a person, I could be wearing this vest. I could have earplugs in so I can't hear anything, and I have it connected to my phone. My phone will pick up the sounds through the microphone, and it will send a signal to the vest that vibrates in a certain way, and um, it vibrates in a pattern that can uh, identify different words. So if it vibrates, I don't know, twice on the left pectoral and like three times on the lower back or something, um, that might mean spaghetti. I don't know the specifics, but that is like an example of how it works. And after a while, um, he actually did the study and he found that after three months of wearing it, uh, people could become proficient in hearing, quote, quotation marks, because you're not actually hearing anything, but you're processing sounds through your other senses and your mind is perceiving that sensation. Um, so it's, it's taking, he has this basically novel idea that you can take any sensory information and get that information to your brain through any of the senses. It's just finding the patterns and the codes to get it there. Uh, and so he's using this vest to do that and it's pretty amazing. And he, he has a video, you guys should really check out this Ted talk. Um, they take a video of one of their, uh, participants who is deaf that uses the best after three months and the participant would be facing away from the experimenter and the experimenter would say a word and the deaf person wearing the vest would have to write that word on the board and he was accurate extremely accurate which is pretty incredible and obviously there are some conflicts with it um people don't want to wear the vest all the time maybe your phone dies or something there's obviously some complications but it's a huge step into um, helping these dis disabled people and people at this disadvantage. And there's so many possibilities for the future. And I, I think human sense has so much potential, kind of like Dr. Coons was talking about. Uh, it's really on the horizon right now. The technology that we have uh, can really bring us to a new awesome place in this world where people that suffer from these dis disabilities will have a chance to uh, kind of use their brain to its full potential and kind of maximize our power, and even beyond that, um, Dave Eagleman talks about how they want to even push our boundaries further and see if we can develop new senses uh, and use or use our senses in ways where people that do have all their sensory information working can uh, use it even more efficiently. 
Definitely a cool video to check out. That's Dave Eagleman TED Talk. Check that out on YouTube or TED or whatever. So we've talked a lot about a lot of really cool things this episode. I really enjoyed writing this. I found so many interesting things. And this has been one of the most fascinating topics, I think. Uh, so definitely go check out any things that we talked about in this. Um, again, I want to thank Dr. Ben Koontz for talking on this show. And I want to thank you, Levi, for being my friend. No. <laughs> but just to close, um, some people believe that the world can only be understood through our senses. Our umwelts. They're the objective truth. However, our senses are limited, and one cannot always believe what they see. Our eyes can tell us lies. We have far more than five senses. However, that doesn't provide us with even a slice of the possible senses this world offers. There's potential to expand and to evolve. There's a possibility that one day, we may understand and observe the world in ways we can't even imagine. Lucidity. Ladies and gentlemen, I would just like to personally and individually thank each and every one of your beautiful faces for listening to this episode of Lucidity. It was truly a roller coaster of emotions and ideas and just amazing, amazing things. If you agree, which I know you do, you should leave feedback on iTunes and let us know how we did. You can find this episode and all our episodes at luciditypodcast.com and follow us on Twitter at luciditypodcast. Right. And also be sure to email us any questions or comments, like you said. Uh, be sure to check out our future episodes. Um, episode three is really kind of fascinating. It's about food. So if anyone's interested in food and animals, check that one out. Great. Thanks again, everybody. We'll catch you next time right here on Lucidity. See you later. Some of the music in this episode was provided by bensound.com.